Hey, it's my privilege to introduce you to Todd Tanner, who is with the Tennessee Baptist Foundation. Uh, thanks for letting me be a part of this. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, as you go through this process of developing a will and trust, and we're going to talk about that. Right. Uh, what, what's your what's your biblical foundation for the whole idea a will and a trust? You bet, Matt. Great question. I think the first thing that comes to mind is just what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. Uh, he talks about sowing sparingly right. and reaping sparingly. And he also talks about sowing generously. And when we do that, we'll reap generously. And all of that starts at the heart level. He wants us to make these decisions in our hearts. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. I've been through this process. Great. And I'm going to act like I haven't. Understood. As we go through this. Sure. So uh, to tell you a little bit about me, okay. I'm 60 years old. You know, you kind of think that somebody my age is going to be thinking about these right. things. Should yeah. somebody younger than 60 be thinking about these things? Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, now, I'm going to encourage you to begin with Okay. Uh, the fact that you've already been through the process. Research has consistently shown that 68% of those who pass away haven't done what you've done. Wow. And when somebody passes away and the estate plan isn't in play, then the state gets to step in and make all the decisions for us. It's a big, hairy mess. That is a huge mess. And if somebody may think, well, you know, I'm just 60. And well, first off, we're not guaranteed knowing how long we're going to live. Right. And secondly, God forbid, but if you've got children at home and the Lord calls you home, who do you want to take care of your children? your estate plan is going to answer those questions. And if you don't have one, the state will answer those questions in your stead. And most of the time, that's a non-starter for us. Right. So I'm going to get right to the bottom of it. Please. Here. How much is this going to cost me to go through this process? Usually what we have found, we can get it done for somewhere right around $1,000 or a little bit less. There's no, hey, here it's 1995. Yeah. Um, it, because each estate is unique. I always say each estate is like a fingerprint. Yeah. My fingerprint, you and I, we both have 10 fingers and 10 toes. Right. We have that in common. But our estate is like a fingerprint. So each estate is unique, how much time it takes to put it together, cost, different things like that. So there's no set cost. It's going to be based on the estate. So what is for instance, your organization. Sure. How do you step in the middle of this and kind of midwife this process? Oh, great question. If somebody allows us to serve them and help them, they're never going to write us a check. Uh, we do it as a ministry. So we step in and start trying to ask all of the right questions, walk with the couple, the individual, the family, whomever, fill in as many blanks as we can. Then when we're ready, we're going to hand it off to an attorney but we've filled in most of the blanks, most of the work. So the time with the attorney has shrunk down significantly. And when you're able to decrease the amount of time with that attorney, price Saves goes money. down too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So how do I get started? Uh, just give me a call. Yeah. Uh, you can reach out to me, 615-371-2028. Send me an email, ttanner at tnbaptist.org. And we just start a relationship. We start a journey. We're going to go at your pace too. We're not trying to run you through a, a shoot right. and, and hurry this process up. We want to spend the amount of time with you that's needed, uh, and then we'll walk you through the documents that need to be built. So why do you do the work that you do? I love what I get to do. Um, when I was surrendered into ministry as a junior in college, uh, I was actually an accounting major, and I had no clue that I was going to do ministry. Hmm. Uh, 
Uh, I stepped into the foundation almost three years ago now. And only now has the Lord really woven together my knack for numbers to try to serve the bride and my calling to serve the bride. Uh, so the answer to the question is I love what I get to do because I know this is what the Lord wants me to do. So in our initial meeting, mm-hmm. uh, what will you do for someone who calls you? Um, I'm going to start trying to understand where are they at in the journey. Uh, sometimes people will call me, hey, I've got this will. It's been built. It, it's 25 years old. What do I do with it? Right. Uh, that's one thing. If I'm talking to somebody else that's 25 years old, married and has a couple of kids um, and they've got nothing Uh, then i just sort of get a feel for where we're at based on where we're at we begin the journey at their point of need can someone uh, as they go through this process they have some things that they're passionate about is there some flexibility for them to decide what to do yes absolutely Uh, that's where we talk about the generosity beyond our lifetimes i usually try to lead with a question here's my question If I could tell you a way to give to ministries of your choice, literally, until the return of Christ, would you be interested in having a conversation with me? Most of the time, people sort of nod their head. They're like, I didn't know I could do that. (laughs) It's not about the amount. Some of us may have more. Some of us may have less. It's about the heart. That's why it says God loves a cheerful giver. That comes from the heart. So if somebody has a ministry that they're passionate about, it may be their home church, maybe the children's home. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we're very passionate about uh, the ARC encounter up in, up in Kentucky. Uh, so we've got something set up to where they're going to benefit from. Mm. So it's going to be whatever that person is passionate about. And then once we understand that, we can try to discuss vehicles to give to those ministries to further God's kingdom literally until the return of Christ. Yeah. What I'm excited about for me is that we decided to tithe on our estate and we've got 5% that's going to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. Yep. And then we've got 5% going to Louisiana Baptist Children's Home because my <sighs> my grandmother was taken care of and was a part of that when she was a child. Yes. And so wanted to honor and bless her. And I'm in Tennessee. Right. Uh, there, there's no crossing the state line to do that or anything like that. No. You, uh-uh. you, can, you can give to what you now i want to ask you will this leave a bad taste in the mouth of the people that uh what what is your take on that yeah that's a great question let's let's capture some of the language that you've already used with me you you and your bride are tithing your estate Mm -hmm. the word tithe as you and i know means 10 percent. right so most of the time in a situation like that quite honestly i've been at this for three years i've yet to find anybody fold their arms and get frustrated what was mom and dad thinking Wow. They, it's an opportunity, even in our going home, to share the gospel yet again. I've seen estate plans built literally to where the will is read, and it starts with, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I have trusted in him. I am home in glory, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. So that leads off the estate plan right after that because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. We're giving 5% to the Golden Offering. We're giving 5% uh, to Louisiana Baptist Children's Home because we want to celebrate who he is. So even as a family, if they prayerfully, they know the Lord, they can celebrate within that. If they're in a situation that they don't know the Lord, mom and dad can leave a testimony, one last testimony, to show their heart behind 
giving to Jesus as he says. He loves a generous giver. It captures that moment. It captures that moment yeah. for all to hear. Yeah. So how long does it take to do this? Um, usually we, we're going to go at the, at the step and the speed uh, of the each individual. Um, and because of that, it may take a little bit of time, but we're not going to overly rush. We're not going to needlessly delay. Typically, I'll see this taking a, a month or two. Right. Uh, because we want to make sure and dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Right. And uh, how many meetings? Um, most of them are going to be done via phone. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. So you can do so, that without coming in. You bet. You bet. We can handle that. We'll have the conversations over the phone. At some point in time when we get to the end, though, we've got to sign the documents. Right. Uh, somebody can come in here. Uh, we're, we've got various notaries here that can get that done. We're in Middle Tennessee, as you know. If somebody's in West Tennessee, East Tennessee, all we have to do is send them the documents. They get to find a notary, execute the documents, and we're up and running. Do they need to find someone in their region to be the lawyer no. with this? No. We'll be able to connect them. We're, we're in partnership with a ministry called Philanthicor, um, and we are not lawyers. I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is surround myself with people that know a whole lot more about this stuff than I do. Right. Let me serve with a pastor's heart. So we connect with lawyers in and throughout the state, and then we make sure to take that person and connect them with whoever is, is building the estate plan for them. Uh, what are the documents that are going to be needed to get through this process? You bet. You bet. Matt, that's another great question. There are four documents that when you put your estate plan together that, that an individual will need. Uh, the first one, uh, this is, it's called the will. Uh, this document comes into play after the person has passed away, gone home to be with Jesus. Basically, it outlines, here's all the stuff God's given me, and here's what I want done with it. You get to name who the executor is. Uh, Sometimes people think, well, you know, obviously it needs to be the oldest child. can be, but the questions that an individual needs to ask themselves when trying to determine who's the executor is who has the time, because it does take time to pull this off, and who has the detail skill set. Uh, if somebody struggles to spell the word detail, they may not be the best person to serve as executor. If you happen to have children at home with you, you can also in that will, you'd say, here's who I want my children to go to, to be the guardian. So that you have the will, second document, these next three that we're gonna talk about real quick, these are documents that are in play while the individual is still alive. You have what's called a medical power of attorney. Let's say, let's assume uh, somebody in here in the room with us, uh, they're struggling with some medical issues and decisions need to be made, yeah. but they're not able to make them. Well, who needs to make those? The medical power of attorney will be able to articulate that. Then you also have what's called a financial power of attorney. I told you a few minutes ago about my mother-in-law. Uh, she's at home, she's in glory, and she's loving her time with Jesus. It was a struggle for her to get there. She had dementia. And there were decisions, financial decisions that need to be made. We had to take her from her house and put her in long-term care. Uh, Somebody had to make those decisions and the financial power of attorney gave my sister-in-law, she's the one that was, uh, had authority on that, gave her the opportunity to make needed decisions to help my mother-in-law. Then you also have last document of the four is what's called your living will. Um, This can be a hard one to sort of think through, but if I'm at the end stages of my life, um, do I want to be kept alive with a feeding tube? Do I want to be kept alive uh, via 
uh, life support. I want to make those decisions right. and not have to let my wife and daughter. That's my gift to them. Yeah, that's excruciating for the family to walk through it, that. It is. It is. And if if those decisions are having to be made and I'm not able to make them, I don't want them to have to struggle through that. I want that to be my gift to them. So I'm going to make those decisions myself right now when I'm able to. So the four documents, those are what we build together in walking through an estate plan. That's great. When my mom and dad passed away, they they both had dementia, Mm -hmm. and uh, we went through the process. And it ended up, because it was in Louisiana, Mm -hmm. and they have a whole different set of rules and stuff. Yes. You know, we had to hire an attorney. Yeah. And ended up, I think it was around $18,000 for the whole thing just to get through the, that process. Yes. And uh, so I wish I would have been able to talk to mom and dad earlier right. and say, yes. let's get all these things together yeah. uh, so that we can make the appropriate uh, moves at the right time and, and not have to deal with wrangling attorneys and right. fees and all that. And here's something interesting too, Matt, that you brought up, the, the, the decisions that were being made because they were in Louisiana. Sometimes I get phone calls, hey, Todd, I just moved here from, insert some state, Right. Um, I had all of my documents filled out over there. Um, obviously, they transfer over here. Uh, no, uh, they may, but each state has its own set of laws. So as people are moving to Tennessee, great place to live. As people are moving to Tennessee and you have documents filled out from other states, Please call us. Let us make sure that those documents that came from a different state actually apply and fit within Tennessee law. And this may be an opportunity for a conversation with senior adult parents. Yes. Um, Just use your example, $18,000. Wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know Napoleon got involved. Oh, gosh. You know, they go by Napoleonic code so oh, or whatever in yeah. Louisiana and so I don't even know what that means I guess that's why she made all the money it could uh, be but <laughs> yes. anyway yeah. and and beloved Christian lawyer but it yeah. just it took a lot of time a lot of documents and a lot of back and forth and a lot of things that weren't done no and those things can be done in the now and and sometimes people think well I'll just wait and, and I get that I promise I do but we have no guarantee of tomorrow. And the now is a lot less expensive. Oh, my goodness, yes. Let, let's yeah. just say it is $1,000. I mean, I, I can leave my shoes on and understand that uh, I used to count my toes to see that yeah. 1000 is less than 18000 What are some of the initiatives that you have seen in the past that people have decided, this is what I want to do with my estate? Uh, a lot of times, the local church. Mm-hmm. When we talk about uh, tithing our estate, um, I always want to go, what about your church? Um, and just listen to them, and they'll, their faces will light up. The, there's always a story right. behind that. Right. And then you're also, it's very common, uh, y'all are giving back to uh, Louisiana Baptist Children's Home mm-hmm. because you have ties, right. emotional ties there. Uh, I'd love to sit with somebody and explore uh, where is your heart? And, and can you give, as Scripture says, generously to those things? And, and hear me, it's not about the amount. I mean, we all know the story of the lady that came to synagogue and dropped two copper right. coins. Mm-hmm. 
and that caught the eye of Christ. Right. It's not about the amount. It's the heart behind it. Yeah. I once heard a story about a pastor who, an uh, elderly lady, asked for a ride to a university, and she was setting up her will and estate with them. Right. And uh, you may have heard it. I don't know. No, it was at a I conference, but, uh-uh. but it, he just said, uh, you know, she didn't even think. Yeah. Maybe the church family yeah. uh, could uh, really benefit sure. uh, during during that process. Uh, but p- people don't think about it, and I think that's the point of that story. She didn't even think, right. well, I could also do this for yeah. my church. And here's an interesting thing, too. They're, they're, what I'm fixing to explain, it's not right or wrong or good or bad, yeah. but there's two different ways that somebody can give. One, it can be a straight-out gift. Here comes a check. Boom. Yeah. There it is. Or two, you can set it up to where, once again, it will literally give to kingdom things until the return of Christ. Right. When you take that option, what you do is you take whatever the amount is and you invest it, and it just keeps on producing and producing and producing and going to that ministry. Mm. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not. I hope Jesus comes back today. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Understand why he's waiting. Right. More people need to hear about him. So we as a church need to be faithful in the Great Commandment, Great Commission. But if he waits a thousand years and somebody has given to their church or a ministry a thousand years from now, it's still giving to those ministries. Talk about eternal impact. The return on investment is a whole lot more for 50 years than it is for two. That is right. Yeah. That is right. Or 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being a part of uh, Lordship Generosity and the work that we're doing here. I want to challenge people to, as you go through the book and you look at that last chapter, Todd is the author of that chapter. Give him a call. We can't wait to see what God is going to do through generous givers who are willing to give long after they've left the earth. 